Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, the good news is Stanford played well enough to win against the Oregon State Beavers for 58 minutes. Of course, football is a 60-minute game. And that's why Pac-12 After Dark became a nightmare for the Cardinal. Boy, that's a tough loss. Another tough one for Stanford. Another in a series as the Cardinal drop a 28-27 result to the Oregon State Beavers. And we're talking about it on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. Great to have you with us here on Sunday, October 9th, 2022. Hi, I'm Troy, host of this show since 2015, my 30th year following Stanford football. I've seen some doozies of some losses for the Cardinal, and that's in the conversation. That is certainly in the conversation. Buzzard luck, folks. Uh, when you can't kill nothing, and nothing will die. You'll hear post-game thoughts from Stanford head coach David Shaw, from Stanford wide receiver Bryson Tremaine, and Stanford safety Jonathan McGill. And hear some of their perspectives on what did not go right. And a lot did go right for the Cardinal against the Beavers, but not enough. Stanford with the loss to drop them to 1-4 on the season, and 0-4 against Pac-12 and FBS competition so far this season. So we'll get the help of those three guys later on in the show to help break down what we saw on late Saturday night against the uh, Oregon State Beavers. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Troy Clarity. The last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. I always appreciate that. The biggest thing I appreciate most of all is subscribing to the show via wherever you get your favorite podcasts from, or at least the good podcasts anyway. Uh, wherever those are, uh, the TreeCast is there. And uh, rating and reviewing the program and uh, telling folks all about the show and reacting to it on your favorite message board. I certainly uh, appreciate all of those things. But yeah, man, this this Stanford team right now, you know, I come from Oklahoma. They have a saying back down there that, you know, you're suffering from buzzard luck. Can't kill nothing and nothing will die. And as I was driving home deep in the into the deep into the Palo Alto night going home, I didn't get home till like after one o'clock on uh, late Saturday night. But, um, you know, I, I flash back to some of the more galling losses I've seen by Stanford, just gutting losses I've seen by Stanford. And the one that came to my mind was the one at Stanford Stadium in 2000 against the Washington Huskies. You might remember it was played in an absolute downpour. Uh, Curtis Williams got hurt and paralyzed in that game, the hit by, uh, uh, by, by, by Kerry Carter. Stanford down 24-6. to uh, came back, scored three touchdowns in like what the final five minutes to tie it at 24 apiece, and then or to take a 28-24 lead rather, and then Marcus Tuiasosopo in 53 seconds on three plays took the Huskies down and got the game-winning touchdown with just seconds to go. Uh, I think I feel about the same way about that game as I do this game, and this was a damaging one. Stanford up 24-10. After three quarters of play with a much-needed win within grasp, and it slipped away. All slipped away. David Shaw on what went wrong. Had an opportunity to finish the game in all three phases. 
And we just didn't do it. You know, we get one more first down offensively. We can run the clock down and end the game. You know, get a, get a good kickoff and cover. And we'll at least get them pinned in back up. Uh, got too much of a return. An opportunity defensively to put the game away. We, we just didn't. We'll detail how and why in just a moment. But first, a reminder. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Three things you need to know from Stanford versus Oregon State. Let's begin with number one. 5.45 left in the game. Stanford with the ball and up 24-22 after an Oregon State touchdown. Uh, the Beavs had an injury to their long snapper, so they had to go actually go for two on a couple of occasions. They failed on both of those two-point conversions, so Stanford still up two with 5.45 to go. On third down and eight from his own 37, Cardinal quarterback Tanner McKee threw incomplete to Bryson Tremaine, but Stanford got bailed out on a defensive holding call. First down Stanford. From there, the card ran the ball steadily downfield for really the first time all night. Filkins gutting out tough yards with a couple of chain-moving runs. And freshman quarterback Ashton Daniels coming in on a package play and running for a first down. 147 to go. Stanford ball at the Oregon State 24. Third and four, and the Beavers out of timeouts. Daniels comes in again for another option run play, but this time OSU sniffs it out and drops Daniels for a four-yard loss. Shaw on the decision to take Tanner McKee off the field in that situation. Third down, we, we ran a play that we really feel strongly about that we had an opportunity to play, to, to make. Um, so I thought we did what we were supposed to do towards the end of the game, except that last play. You know, and uh, if we if we got a little closer and uh, and and got to a fourth and one and a half, yeah, I'd probably go for it. Uh, but we didn't have that opportunity. Nope, and instead of getting a first down and just being able to run down the clock, Joshua Cardi came on to kick a 46-yard field goal. He hit it, and Stanford led 27-22 with 58 seconds to go. More on that decision to uh, run that particular play on third down later in the show. Stanford up by five at that point, but let's move on to number two. <laughs> And after two completions to start their drive, Oregon State quarterback Ben Golbranson lofted one to the far sideline for his receiver, who went up over Ethan Bonner, who stayed on the ground, made the catch, came down with it. Stanford safety Patrick Fields misjudged it and stopped for a moment as if he wasn't quite sure exactly what had happened on the play. Receiver sped away, 56-yard touchdown, Oregon State with 13 seconds to go. The Beavs ahead for the first time all night, 28-27. to 27. After the game, I asked John McGill for his perspective on that play. Uh, we was, you know, playing two-man. Um, we was in our dime package. Um, and, you know, 
just through a fade. And, you know, we had, you know, some guys in position. They just, you know, made a made a better play than, than we did in that specific situation. But, um, you know, we were we were holding up in the back end for the majority of the game. So, obviously, you know, play calling was definitely not, you know, the, the issue or anything like that. Um, we, in the secondary, obviously, take full responsibility definitely for what happened. Um, on that play, like Coach Akina says all the time, like we make a mistake, you know, it's a touchdown. Um, so, you know, that's the life of a DB, but, you know, we'll, we'll definitely shake back. Yeah, just a gut punch, just a gut punching night for the Stanford, or end to the night rather, for the Stanford defense. And look, it wasn't the only big play that Stanford's defense gave up to the Beavers, but it certainly by and large negated what had really been the Cards' best effort defensively on that side of the ball so far this season. Let's wrap it up with number three. So after a devastating loss like that, what's next? What now? Well, for one thing, there isn't a whole lot of time to sit around and sulk. David Shaw after the game on what awaits his team in the immediate aftermath. It's going to be a a rough 24 hours for all of us. We can't afford to spend more than 24 hours on it. Uh, Short week, long plane flight, tough place to play, and we got to get ready. Um, going to take care of the guys in practice this week, uh, make sure we have our legs. Um, you know, I'm not going to just be all, you know, sunshine about us playing our best game because the most important thing is we've got to finish. Got a chance to put the game away, we've got to put it away. Um, so, um, going to give the guys some time off, get away from it, get a little bit of a break. Come back, get ready to go. That's all you can do, right? You can't call up Notre Dame and say, hey, listen, uh, check this out. Uh, we, we might need you to, to push this game back uh, a, a week or so. Can, can you all do that? No, no, you can't do that. The only thing Stanford can do right now is go right back to work, try to figure out and put things together to not just play 30 minutes, not just play 58 minutes, and sometimes not even play 60 minutes. I mean, overtime, of course, is very much a thing in college football these days. Not so much in college soccer anymore, but that's a whole different conversation to have. But whatever it takes to close out and win and finish football games, Stanford needs to go back to work, go back to the lab, and figure out how to achieve just that. Those are three things. Numbers from this game in particular, individually, Tanner McKee, 20-32, 269 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Casey Filkins, just 62 yards on 21 carries, and almost half of his yardage for the night in the rushing category came on the final drive. A good night for Bryson Tremaine, who had been relatively quiet the first four games of the season, but but came alive in stretches against the uh, Beavers. Six catches, 62 yards, two touchdown grabs, one off a fake reverse in the third quarter, but another one, just an insane touchdown grab as he was facing the line of scrimmage, falling down, had to reach up both hands, made the snare at the goal line, and fell into the end zone for the score that gave Stanford, at that point, a 17-7 lead that the card took to the half the big defensive numbers for the cardinal are from the team perspective eight tackles for loss stanford only had 19 tackles for loss as a team coming into the game against the beavers which quite honestly was was more than i thought that it had uh the first four games of the season but eight tackles for loss for stanford and four sacks on the night two from tobin phillips that was pretty nifty to see 
personnel notes backup Robinson, backup running back rather, Caleb Robinson did not play as uh, Brendan Barrow uh, saw some snaps and uh, became the main uh, kick return uh, kick returner for the Cardinal. Uh, didn't see Bryce Farrell either. That just occurred to me right now as as I'm as I'm sitting here going through this. But uh, Robinson spent part of the week I know leading up to the game against Oregon State in a walking boot. So uh, let's see if that bears watching. And of course, uh, David Shaw will give us. His latest uh, personnel update uh, early in the week when he holds his weekly press conference. Neither Miles Hinton nor Barrett Miller, the two uh, right tackles uh, for Stanford, played against Oregon State. So Jack Lair got his second start at the right tackle spot and for the most part did pretty well once again. That young man, a sophomore, is 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 emerging as as somewhat of a, of, a, of a revelation for the Stanford offensive line to this point. Stanford did commit a turnover. An interception on the final play of the game. And special teams-wise, a key hidden play to this one may have been an offsides call against uh, Stanford's Salim Turner-Muhammad on a field goal attempt by Oregon State in the third quarter that went awry. Stanford ahead 17-7 at that point. Oregon State forced to kick a field goal. It was no good. But Stanford called offsides, gave another chance. And that made it a 17-10 game and kind of kept the door open for Oregon State. That's probably a key hidden play to this one. Key bigger plays loomed later on. We'll dive into that certainly in a couple minutes or so. But first, look, no one walked out of that building from a Stanford perspective very happy. I certainly didn't. But... There were some good things to come out of that game for Stanford. That, there was some good news and some things that we had not seen uh, for the most part in the first four games of the season entering into that contest against the Beavers. Well, starting on the offensive side of the ball, let's start with the first drive. So much had been made about uh, coming into the week about how Stanford needed to get off to a fast start and about how the Cardinal were going to uh, kind of maybe rethink some things, revamp some things and do some things that they needed to do to ensure that they would get off to quicker starts. And it worked. Stanford's first offensive drive started with a reverse on the very first play, then an RPO, but with a quicker hit. It wasn't a slow mesh, right? But a quicker hitting RPO on the next play. A motion and then a shovel to Ben Urosik. That play ended up being negated by a by holding call against Stanford, but uh, still pretty neat to see the Cardinal break that out of the playbook. We saw more motion than I think we've really seen at any point in the season to that point. And we saw more misdirection as well. We also saw a jumbo package on third and goal from one yard out. Then Casey Filkins carried it over uh, for the touchdown that put Stanford ahead 7-0 and gave the Cardinal its first lead since the Colgate game in the season opener. But all of those things, the reverse, the RPOs, misdirection, motion, different formations, guys lining up in different spots, and, of course, the jumbo package to finish, that's Stanford football, man. That's how it should look. The card wanted to start quicker, and they did it. Cardinal wide receiver Bryson Tremaine on how Stanford was able to check off that box. Started fast. The defense got a stop. And, you know, we went down and scored. We scored first. So, I mean, that's just – that's what we were talking about all week because the past, uh, you know, minus the Colgate game, we were we started off 0-7 uh, every game. So, I mean, that 7-0 start just, you know, 
you know, that's what we've been working on, and I think it helped us a lot. And you saw the explosive plays, you know, between Elijah and Mike, me. So I think, you know, we still have a lot of room to grow, and I'm excited, excited for, you know, the rest of the season still. President Tremaine, and offensively, I think we saw a lot of the things that 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 I'd been calling for in the preview episode leading into the Oregon State game uh, for, from the Stanford offense to get off to a quicker start and maybe even stay that way throughout the remainder of the game. Quicker throws, quicker hitting plays, getting the ball out of McKee's hands as quickly as you can and into the hands of some guys who can do some things in space. Elijah Higgins, the, the, the play that he had in which he went to the left and then had to cut back all the way to the right and almost converted the long third down, picked up, I believe, 13 yards um, on the play itself. You know, get, get the ball in your playmaker's hands. And I'm always a big fan of motion, pre-snap, and misdirection. Always a big fan of those things. I was certainly glad to see those things throughout, certainly at the start of the game, and again a little bit in the fourth quarter. It seemed to be some times in the second and third quarters where we didn't quite see it as much. We'll get to that later on. Trick plays were hit or miss again, but fake reverse worked like a charm. For Bryson Tremaine's second touchdown, and that gave the Cardinal a 24-10 lead, at which point things were seeming to be looking, be looking pretty good. Tanner McKee putting more NFL throws on tape and making terrific throws on rollouts is actually where he seemed to do some of his best work in the arm talent category. Uh, rolling out left and right. So making throws on the move. And dispelling some notions that that things might have that people might have of Tanner McKee and his ability to throw the ball on the move. So certainly there were some 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 good things I liked from that standpoint and overall offensively as well. I just like to see them put it together for a full 60 minutes. The good news on the defensive side of the ball, they were much more active right from the start. And that's something that we had been calling for heading into the Oregon State game in particular, even even before that, even especially heading into the Oregon game, right? You know, be more active around the line of scrimmage especially. Don't be afraid to bring guys up from the secondary to help it, help out things. And for a stretch, especially while the Stanford offense was stalling out in the third quarter, the Stanford defense was keeping the card in it. How about that? Signs of life from the Stanford defensive front. Tobin Phillips in particular. We mentioned earlier that he pulled down two sacks on the, on the day or night. You get what I'm saying. David Shaw after the game on the uptick in production from the guys up front against the Beavers. Uh, by and large, thought we played well. Um, still don't like the explosive run that happened late in the game. Um, you know, we, we needed to be in that gap. Um, like I said, so many things to build on, TFLs, um, quarterback pressures and sacks. Tonight, to me, the difference was the initial pressure. So we had pressure on the edge, which forces the quarterback to step up. And uh, so our guys on the edge, if they don't get them, then, you know, our guys inside do. And uh, like I said, Tobin's been really, really close, but we got really nice pressure on the edge from David Bailey, Stephen Heron, um, Aaron Armitage. Um, we had a lot of guys that were, that were forcing the issue on the quarterback. Um, that's what we expect from that group. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, I think that the whole group has been, has been hungry all year. 
and uh, it's really good to see Tobin get rewarded like that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Pressure certainly made a difference, and it wasn't just coming from the front. And the edge guys, are Aaron Armitage, with a couple of uh, rush plays as well, uh, as he was able to get into uh, the backfield with some regularity. Stephen Heron uh, had, 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 some, had some moments as well. We'd like to see more of those uh, going forward throughout the remainder of the season. But the linebackers were active. Ricky Miazon breaking into the backfield. The safeties were too. Jonathan McGill got a sack. That was neat to see. Patrick Fields helping in run support on a couple of occasions. And intriguingly enough, Stanford's more aggressive approach on the defensive side of the ball may have stemmed from a meeting of minds of sorts earlier in the week. As Jonathan McGill told us after the game, you know a lot of the you know older guys on the team and, and some of the leaders on the team, um, we we had a meeting with Coach Anderson and you know we were being you know very transparent of what we feel most comfortable playing and what he feels most most comfortable calling and so that, I felt like that was definitely something that was definitely very big for for us kind of just you know coaches and players seeing things the same way. Yeah, so the players going to the uh, the, the defensive uh, coaching brain trust and and the coaches and the student athletes putting their heads together and coming up with a with a defensive game plan that I, I think certainly needs to fit more of what Stanford needs to do going forward. Force the issue. Be active. And we've I, I've mentioned this time and time again, especially when when the Stanford defense seems to be so passive, so soft in coverage and just no real action, no real movement at all around the line of scrimmage, which was especially galling against Washington in particular this year. But we've seen since Lance Anderson took over as the Willie Shaw director of defense, we've seen him dial up just some diabolical blitzes. We've seen him do those things. Now, granted, those were back in the days when Stanford had Solomon Thomas and Harrison Phillips up front. Stanford doesn't have those guys right now. And when you had tackling machines like Bobby Okariki, and that might have been past Blake Martinez's time, but, but I think you get what I'm saying here. So we know those things are in the playbook, but we hadn't exactly seen Stanford get more exotic defensively. Heck, you know, forget just being exotic. Just, just force the issue. We finally saw more of those things against Oregon State. Now, did Stanford play a dominant game defensively? No, no, they didn't. Stanford, Oregon State still rolled up 192 yards rushing. Cardinals still allowed a 99-yard touchdown drive against Oregon State. By the way, that's the seventh 90-plus yard drive the Stanford defense has allowed since the start of last season. That's 17 games now. Seven 90-plus yard drives. I don't know if that's a if that leads the country, but I imagine it's right up there over that time span. So, no, there were too many explosive plays that the Beavers were still able to get. But in a lot of ways, I'm a lot more willing to accept that when Stanford's trying to take it to them. When Stanford's being more aggressive and being more active instead of just laying back and not getting to the ball carrier until he's about five or six yards downfield and just letting receivers do whatever they want underneath 
very, very soft coverage. I'm more willing to accept the explosive plays that Stanford gave up, except for one. We'll get to that. But I'm more willing to accept the explosive and the big plays that Stanford gave up against Oregon State because they actually tried to be a bit more aggressive this time around. All right. Um, The bad news and the things that led to everyone rooting for Stanford just in shock and maybe in some ways disgust and leaving the, the place with a bad taste in your mouth. Stanford's offensive tempo was terrific at the start. We discussed that, but it was in spurts after that. Second and third quarter, at times, I don't think that the Stanford offense ran with as much urgency tempo-wise and didn't really necessarily pick it up again until the fourth quarter. And with Stanford ahead 17-7 at the half and getting the second half kickoff, that's a rare circumstance as Oregon State won the toss and elected to receive. But Stanford up by 10 at the half, getting the second half kickoff and having the chance to truly put the game away. Stanford instead sputtered with back-to-back three and outs. And after that sequence was done, Oregon State made it a one-score game again. So Stanford offensively, first quarter, ran with urgency. Ran with tempo. Saw different imaginative imaginative plays and creativity and all those sorts of things. Second and third quarter, uh, they may have eased off the pedal, I think, maybe just a little bit. Fourth quarter, they, they ratcheted it up a little bit, but with mixed results. Key play of the game, third and four. Stanford at the Oregon State, 24, 147 to go, and up by two points. And this is when Ashton Daniels comes in after having run for a first down earlier in the drive. And that was the first time that we had seen him all night. The second time that we saw him all night was on this play. I go back and I think back to when the Wildcat was truly in vogue about, what, 10 years ago? Maybe even a bit before that. Yeah, a bit before that, actually. Uh, But, you know, when Stanford would go Wildcat, when Andrew Luck was on the team, I I didn't generally like it very much. You know, I, I would go back to... You know, back when Tom Brady was with the New England Patriots and someone asked the Patriots owner, Robert Kraft, hey, what do you think about the Wildcat? Do you like it? Because that's when it was sweeping through the NFL with Ronnie Brown and the Dolphins having started that whole thing. And Robert Kraft said, no, why would we take Tom Brady off the field? And I felt that way a lot when Stanford went Wildcat, particularly when Tom Tom Brady, when Andrew Luck uh, was the starting quarterback for the Stanford Cardinal. And I largely still feel that way a little bit now. Still not a huge fan of switching out quarterbacks. And not, especially in that situation. Now, granted, after Daniels came in in the fourth quarter and had a couple of nice plays against Oregon, had a couple of nice plays, I had a feeling that as effectively as as Daniels ran those package plays, 
that we might see him against Oregon State. I had a feeling, and, and it's why it's it's pretty much the big reason why I asked David Shaw after the Oregon game, after he said, "Look, we have options uh, to try to go to a to a to a quicker start." And thinking about what Ashton Daniels did in that fourth quarter, that's why I asked David Shaw, "Hey, did anything that we saw when the reserves came off the bench in that fourth quarter? Was there anything you saw there that maybe might stick?" A little bit going forward, are those some of the options you might be talking about? And he said, no, it's not really a personnel thing. It's more it's more schematics. But with Daniels doing what he did in the fourth quarter against the Ducks, that's why I asked him that question. And I had a feeling that we would see that package against Oregon State. Now, seeing it with the game on the line, that surprised me. That surprised me a bit. And it seemed at times that Stanford was was running that drive with a bit quicker tempo than maybe the situation called for, especially early on. And even the drive before that, that, that was not successful uh, for Stanford. Earlier in the fourth quarter, they seemed to be running with a bit more, a bit more tempo than I thought the situation had called for when the clock when, you know, the clock is your friend in that situation. And throwing some patterns, quick ins, things like that, that aren't necessarily conducive to efficiently running down the clock as much as you can, even when you want to try to throw it. After the game, I asked David Shaw what his approach was to that final drive and how it shook out. Most of it went our way that last drive, up until the final couple plays. Um, you know, second is short. Thought we had an opportunity to get the first down. Um, didn't quite get it. Third down, uh, went to a play that we felt really good about and uh, didn't, uh, didn't get the first down. Um, wanted to run, run the clock down a little bit, you know, make sure we were settled on, on the field goals. That's why we took a timeout as the clock was running down. Get our guys ready, make sure they're prepared for the kind of pressure that they were going to see. And then uh, put the ball through the pipes. But, you know, it was a... Good drive up until those last couple plays, you know. Um, a lot of what we've been emphasizing, finishing the game, finishing runs, um, still threw the ball you know, uh, with, so, with some success and uh, tried to go down the field, got a pass interference penalty. New um, set of downs and um, trying to go back with between efficient passes and runs, make sure we keep the clock going and, uh, and get positive yards and try to put the game away. Yeah, up until that last play. It also helps that they got bailed out by that defensive holding penalty, and, and Stanford offensively certainly seemed to get bit, a bit more of a rhythm, especially on the ground, after that penalty. But it set up that situation with that. That ended up resulting in that third down failure with not Tanner McKee, but with Ashton Daniels in that situation. And that third down failure stands as the key play of the game. Stanford needed just one more first down. One more first down. Big difference between two and three and one and four, folks. Big difference. Stanford needed just one more first down. They needed one more first down twice last year, too. Against Washington State and Washington. Had both of those games, a chance to salt away both of those games, with just one more first down. Stanford couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. That third down failure, getting dropped for a loss of four, 
instead of getting any sort of positive yardage at all, and even, you know, maybe even making Shaw think about it a little bit, going for it perhaps, as, as you heard him earlier in the show. Key play of the game. Key play of the game. Until that final drive, by the way, Stanford could not run the ball as productively as it had uh, for much of the year up until that point. And there were a few times, you know, third third quarter and much of the fourth quarter were seeing that Stanford was just content to hand it off to Casey Philkins, who would just pick up one yard <laughs> and put Stanford in second and long situations. That was, and look, Oregon State's solid, especially on their front seven. They're solid, they're veteran, they've got quick and mean and nasty and active guys. They're going to make it difficult sledding for you running the ball. So that's going to happen to some extent. And this team missed Caillou Blue Kelly. Caillou Blue Kelly missing this game with an injury. The last report, David Shaw hoped to have him back for this week against Notre Dame. But this team missed Caillou Blue Kelly. And the biggest defensive failure for Stanford came on that final play, on that final touchdown. Ethan Bonner staying on the ground, the receiver going airborne, making the catch, and Patrick Fields, unfortunately, making a big-time miscalculation that allowed the receiver to get free and break free and go untouched from there into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown, or the game-losing touchdown, since we're on the Stanford side of things. Would that have happened if Caillou Blue Kelly was still on the field? Who knows? Who knows? And Ethan Bonner did have some nice moments at points throughout the night, but And Patrick Fields, oh, out of position and decision-making after that just didn't make things any better for Stanford from there. But especially in that instance, I think this team missed Caillou Blue Kelly in a big-time way. So here we go again. Coaches and players trying to pick up the pieces. David Shaw on the challenges ahead. Well, these are Stanford guys, and uh, we find challenges. Our guys respond to challenges. You know? So right now, the, the challenges abound. You know, road game in South Bend against Notre Dame on national TV. Um, opportunity to turn some things around. Um, the challenge between the ears of looking at the positives from this game is right now none of them feel the positives. Um, but I'm not going to let us come off the best game that we've had this so far this year and uh, throw a lot, throw that away. Because if we can build on those positives, you know, there's an opportunity for us uh, to really turn the season around. Um, so many good things, so many good things. But at the same time, we also have to correct the correctables, and we have to be able to finish games. Um, we were in a in a position we haven't been in this year um, in our conference play, just being in the fourth quarter with a victory or with a, with a, with a, with a lead and uh, what it takes to put a, put a team away, a team that's going to fight you to the end. Um, so that's where we, we, we have to grow now. And it's hard. It's going to be hard for our guys. I mean, I, I'm already picturing how difficult Monday is going to be. You know, we're going to look at the positives and the guys aren't going to want to look at it. They're going to want to harp on the loss. Um, so there's a delicate balance from my position of making sure we build on our positives and, and take those into next week. And now 
really look at about about being how close we are. Yep, and that character is going to be tested in a major, major way. No doubt about that. Um, look, it's it's one thing to be down thirty-one to three at the half, and to come back and to play relatively well in the second half, as we saw specifically against Oregon, and as we saw in in specific instances. Or, or, or in, in similar instances, I should say, against the Washington Huskies and defensively against USC. It's, it's one thing to bounce back and play well in the second half after things don't go your way in the first half. I mean, is that a character test as well? Yes, it sure is. And Stanford's performance in the second half against Oregon you know, still allowed me to keep some flickering about the direction the potential direction of the Stanford team heading into the Oregon State game. But after losing a game like this, man, that character is going to be tested in a major, major, major way. Major way. Does this group have it in them to turn it around? We'll see. We'll find out. Of course, after a result like that, you know, the blame game in full effect, you know, folks who, and I don't think anything's really changed there. The folks who want to put all the blame on David Shaw and the coaches will do that, and I'm sure they have. I haven't really spent a whole lot of time on social media. I, I spent my Sunday afternoon with Stanford women's soccer, watching them play against Washington State. That's how I spent my Sunday afternoon. <laughs> uh, but, you know, folks who want to put all the blame on Shaw and the coaches, they'll, they'll, they'll do that. Folks who want to put all the blame on the players, they'll do that too. Of course, the correct answer that, look, it's, it's everyone working in concert together. Coaches, execution, play calling, you name it. Injuries as well. And just plain out luck. All of those things once again going against Stanford when it absolutely positively needs it most. Can they rebound against Notre Dame? A place known for the luck of the Irish. It's been known for the luck of the Cardinal a time or two as well. 1990 in particular comes to mind. 2010 comes to mind. Omar Risik with the touchdown scored as a fullback on one play and then a pick six as a linebacker on the very next play from scrimmage. Well, we'll see. I don't know. Only one way to find out. The season will continue this Saturday. It's a 4.30 p.m. Pacific time kickoff in South Bend. You've got thoughts on Stanford football. I always welcome them. You've got thoughts on the show as well. I also welcome them via Twitter. Hashtag TreeCast is the best way to make sure that your thoughts are seen by me. Hashtag TreeCast on Twitter. Easy for me to say. And we'll talk to you next time. Uh, We'll likely come at you on Thursday. This week, as we'll preview Stanford versus Notre Dame. Looking forward to that. You heard from Cardinal head coach David Shaw, Stanford wide receiver Bryson Tremaine, and Cardinal safety Jonathan McGill, as uh, those three helped us break down what we saw. Another tough loss for Stanford against Oregon State. I'll try to put it together and get a big win against Notre Dame this week. We'll see you later on this week. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay sane. And thank you for joining us on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, on the Believe Network, and presented by Bet Online.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.